This is the Atlanta season three, season finale, episode 10, Talal. TRL, Terrare, Terrari, whatever you want to call it. I'm pretty sure I'll be going back and forth in between pronunciations, not upholding the Francaise pronunciation, but whatever. This is the end, friend. Season finale is here, and so is Van. She's back and with a terrible wig. So a little background on the episode title that may provide a bit more context. Talal is a French soldier who was a medical wonder of the 18th century. He was literally gluttony personified. He had an extremely ravenous appetite and could eat anything from garbage, animals, inedible objects, and the people. My mom actually told me about this when I was much younger. Then, you know, I mean, young, nosy, cracks fingers, does research, opens an encyclopedia or five. History, people. He almost ate his family out of house and home, and he got kicked out when he was a teenager. Isn't that just messed up? I mean, boys do eat a lot, but <laughs> you can only imagine how much Taral was putting down on a daily. It being back then, the documentation varies, of course. It's always up and down as far as how much he could actually eat, whether it be his body weight, half a cow. You know how stories be telephoning. So yeah, just know that he ate large amounts, but it was almost as if he was never satisfied. So he ends up traveling France with sex workers and other shysts, begging, stealing, eating. Eventually he became a sideshow act and opened for a transient charlatan. I'm not gonna give you all the juice, but just some relevant pieces, spark a curiosity, give you a little background on the person who was Terrell. So fast forward, he enlists in the French Revolutionary War and a military surgeon takes interest in his condition because obviously who's eating that much, especially back then. Just think of the conditions. This is 18th century. Ain't no fridges. Sanitation ain't that great. We all, never mind. I'm not gonna do that. We're gonna keep it positive. <laughs> yeah, just the conditions of that day weren't ideal as far as food safety and um, food waste. I feel like he would be thriving if it was today. There is so much food waste. He wasn't a big guy. He was very small. This isn't the first instance where a doctor took interest in him, but just stay with me. The rations weren't enough and he was admitted for exhaustion eventually. Even quadruple rations, MREs, were not enough to satiate him. He began to steal again, eat garbage, eat out of the gutter, and even eat medical supplies. I know you're probably like, where did this even go in his body? How do you digest this? But he did also have problems with digestion and things being lodged within his, you know, digestive tract. So that's just extra, but those are sprinklings just to get you to go read some more about him. Apparently, he also really stunk. I mean, as you can imagine, even from a distance, it was really bad to the point where they said he had like visible funk around him. <laughs> he likely has some kind of advanced form of hypothyroidism, pica, polyphagia. Low key, he probably had worms, especially back then. Should have drank some bang ba. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. G. But he never received a complete autopsy, so he was not examined to the fullest because his body was rotting at a rapid pace and doctors said he stunk so bad that they were like, nah, you gotta get out of here. Going back to that doctor and those feeding trials, he continued experimenting on him. Still gonna withhold those details because it is very interesting what he put him through and what he had him eating. They ended up using him as a spy 
in the war to courier documents. The man swallowed a whole wooden box and traveled beyond enemy lines. This was a short stint, but the feeding trials continued under that doctor. Eventually, he was caught eating cadavers in the hospital and a baby went missing. Bum, 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 dramatic reverb. The end. That's where I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> and I left out so much more. Just think Saturn devouring his son by Francisco Goya, a Spanish artist who passed in France. Come on, art history. We're circling again. We are starting off with the circles. Now, let's get into Van's variant and this wig <laughs> with all this new insight. Candace is back. You remember her from the Champagne Poppy episode, season two, episode seven, when they went to Drake's house for a party or one of his houses for a party. <laughs> so she's on a girl's trip with her cousin and a friend. Shout out to Zosha. Appreciate Lakeith for bringing her into the circle. We're circling. We're continuing the circle. I want to say the costume design was on point too because their outfits were very, um, their outfits were very touristy, but at the same time, you could tell that they were Americans in Europe. Still dope though, but you know, I, I kind of appreciated that little detail. Van is just giving straight Amelie. Like, who is this? Like, she is a complete variant at this point. Just a whole different person. So Candace came out there for golden showers and got flewed out for business for six Gs. <laughs> Very interesting, but I mean, social media culture will have you think that that's a, I don't even want to say traditional. <laughs> what, do I, what do I even say? Like <laughs> that this occurs frequently where people are flewed out for certain situations such as this for a bag trip or just the experience. And I'll leave it at that. Candace notices Van at a shop nearby while they're eating. Or, well, a whole French woman at this point. Van is imperfectly in character. She does not waver. And she's not saying that she doesn't know her, but she's acting very unfamiliar. And it's just like, uh, ma'am, what are you, huh? Okay. Then begins the Parisian adventure. As seen through her experience for the past couple weeks. Yet Van has graced a magazine cover, has new boyfriends, is Alexander Skarsgård's dom. All this with a bad wig and her security bread in tow. Candace's girls are all with it and all for exploring and enjoying Paris, their trip, because they haven't been there before. And rarely, if ever, object to any of the shenanigans that go on. It's kind of like, you know, they question, they'll give each other a look, but they just keep going along with it. I, I will say... Candace is a damn good friend for thugging it out with Van the entire time without folding. They head to a hotel where Alexander Skarsgård's freak self is jamming to 2003's hit single, Rock With You. Because why not? <laughs> oh, and Wayne Wonder eventually. After Van sprinkles crack in his room and reports him to the hotel front desk, they roll out. He doesn't know. He's still kind of in confusion. Basically, at this point in the skivvies, entertaining his guests. We rarely see him in comedic roles, so this was, I feel like this was good for him. So while they're on their adventure, another little random side note. There's more Paperboy promo in the wild for the Paper Chase tour this time. Next, they head to the Parisian Cabrini Green Projects, <laughs> where she does not find a drop she was expecting from some man named Emilio. Who? More on that later. 
They're confronted by some local guys, but that's interrupted by a driver in the background who hits a passerby and gets jumped, basically. Only for Van to give us the crackhead sprint we deserved this episode. <laughs> she takes the crew to a museum to catch up with Emilio, only for him not to have the package, but excuses. Carlos, who Van also knows how, I don't know. She's done a lot these weeks. She's she's lived a life. Carlos is the museum director. He clears out the museum of patrons and Emilio gets ate up with a month old three foot security baguette. Yes, the baguette she was carrying the entire episode and we're just like, yo, why does she have this baguette in her bag? Where's the wax bag? There's no covering. It's just swinging around in the air. Like, yeah, it wasn't for consumption. Now for a dinner party where she is still carrying the baguette in her purse, bloodied up top. She didn't even try to wrap it up or hide it. It's just there. It has literally been a day. Candace is almost over it, but she's convinced to chill by Zosha and Shanice because, you know, let her live her life. It's fun. She ain't hurting nobody. Well, she is, but she ain't hurting nobody. Like, what? <laughs> Then, Alexander Skarsgård is revealed to be a sub with a humiliation kink. Apparently, the paparazzi caught him with the drugs and it was a whole thing. And he confronted her at the party, only to, yeah. And no more on that. Van introduces Candace to her Parisian man, like her actual partner that she kept referring to, but we didn't see until now, who's a chef. And then Candace, I feel like this is her last straw. She finally gets real with Van and questions her intentions and the overall odd behavior. The dialogue goes back and forth. Very nice scene. Like, I don't know. Kitchen scenes always give you that in the moment tension. I don't know if it's I watch too many kitchen shows and Ramsey and all of that. It just gives you a nice area to give you that dialogue that's like punching and adds to the emotions of the moment. So the dialogue continues about Van being in control as the chef is preparing hands in the background. Yes, hands. That that was the package. Just think dino nuggets, but with phalanges. Meanwhile, Shanice and Zosha actually sit down for the whole dining experience until they realize they were eating hands. Like, I'm not putting a napkin over my head to eat anything. That's just, huh? I think there was something like that like a restaurant where you go to when it's like completely dark and you can't really see and then you eat I'm just like whatever you want to call that a sensory experience that's just what is something to your food anyway candace shows more concern and questions van's closest relationships still trying to get through to her and we're circling back to lottie we missed her this season and her questioning, what is she going to do about Lottie, breaks her down. And Van, she confirms that she's been with her mother this whole time. So Van loses it, has a complete breakdown in the kitchen. Again, another superb setting for a breakdown. Has an anxiety attack or a panic attack, however you like to classify it. So we get the clarity that Van is indeed going through some things. She has a hunger to find herself that is wholly insatiable. There's a larger conversation to be had here, specifically with the theme of letting go, of responsibilities, doing as we please, and experiencing non-routine facets of life. But I'll have to figure out how I want to frame it exactly. That is something I do want to get into with this concept. I feel like this episode deals with everyone not wanting to metaphorically have to face Van's ghost as she transitions into someone she's not. The people closest to her 
know who she is or at least have that idea of her likeness and see her behavior is out of the ordinary so when she's questioned she either ignores it goes off travels somewhere else and basically acts as if you know they're not asking the question candace actually made that breakthrough in this episode finally in all van is just feeling inadequate her journey toward freedom and living her life how Shanice mentions earlier, she's still very lost within all of the identities and experiences she's taking in. Luckily, she snaps out of it and the wig comes off because, ew, it confirms identity issues she's been struggling with. She doesn't know who she is and that is completely okay. Life is not a race and is full of uncertainties. Candace reassures her that she is somebody. I mean, that's not the best advice, but she tried. I mean, at that point, what can she really offer her? But she, again, she's still a good friend because she did hang around with her throughout this whole entire episode. And Van reminds her that she has to go pee on somebody. Like, (laughs) Van hasn't been present this whole episode, but she's present enough to remember, like, uh, ma'am, didn't you have an appointment? Cut to Shanice, who ends up taking the PP appointment for Candace, I I swear. So the dude tarps down the floor and she goes to work with the Eiffel Tower in the background. (laughs) It's like a full-on morning pee. Like, that's how much it is. It's a while. So pee-pee man, he gets overwhelmed and splash waterfalls by Ludacris. <laughs> so lucky us, we get post-credits. Round of applause, because we're going full circle again with Lanier Man from episode one and four, aka E. Apparently, he sent Earn all of his belongings as lost luggage and Earn thinks nothing of it. He's like, I have all my bags. This isn't mine. But still goes through it because, I mean, nosy. I mean, who wouldn't? If you get a bag that says your name on it, of course you're going to go look, see if there's anything good in there. And he is enamored with a Deftone shirt. So many questions. Like, did E post-date the bag? How does he know Earn? That's one thing I didn't pay attention to was throughout this whole season, I did not pay attention to dates. We will have to wait for a season four, I guess, which is later for the fall. Since it was shot subsequently with this season, hopefully they stay on schedule and we are able to see it this year again. Looking forward to more answers, to lingering questions, of course, character development, and some more of this juxtaposed storyline. Even if it's through the anthological lens, I feel like those episodes did carry a lot of meaning. And coalesced with the, you know, the main episodes. It just made sense. Even though some people didn't like that and felt like we needed to see the main characters in every episode. And certain storylines were written and they were confusing. You know what? Positivity. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to add the song I referenced so many times while watching this for the Spotify exclusive. But I'll keep this as a regular episode. Do check the show notes for the links though. You know, I'm all about my musics, so there is a connection. I don't know if they meant this, but this is how I interpreted the connection. (sighs) You know what? Maybe I'll do a playlist for this season. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I'll think about it. I don't know if it's too OD or whatever, but if you'd be interested in that, it will likely be a Spotify exclusive only on Spotify. Yes. All in all, I thoroughly enjoyed this season, and I can't wait to run it back, especially how a millennial should in pure binge fashion definitely leave your comments on social twitter or ig or on the spotify app verbalvibemode.com or even on anchor leave us a voice message just do the thing i also wanted to take some time to thank the listeners for really engaging 
with this content consistently. This was a dice roll. Reviews tend to be in general because it's kind of like, who wants to run back what we just watched and blah, blah, blah. But there are in always interesting pieces that some people catch, some people don't catch. And even if I don't catch something, I like to see someone else's interpretation of a piece of work or media. But all in all, the reception to these review episodes was dope. Much appreciated. See you in the fall for season four. Peace.